Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. How are we doing, church? Are we good today? It's good to be with you. Welcome everybody at all of our different locations. Uh, We love you guys so much. Julie and I are praying for you all through the week. Everybody joining online. Big shout out to the men and women of the United States Armed Forces on this Veterans Day weekend. We honor you. We love you so much. Hey, before I jump into the message today, I want to remind you that we are taking a trip to the Holy Lands in March of 2023, going to be just a few months from now. Uh, I guarantee if you go, the Bible will come alive. And so Julie and I want to invite you to join us on that trip. You can get more information by texting the word Israel to 441441. Uh, The trip is filling up kind of quickly. So if you were thinking about going in the next week or two, you're going to want to get registered for that trip so you can participate with us. It's going to be great. Well, we are in a two-week series called Mondays. You're made for this. So let me ask you, how did your week go? Did you take Jesus with you to work? Did you have a new coworker, a new classmate at school? Like, he was right there with you all week long. I had one guy tell me, he said, Todd, it was like I was just aware that every day in every situation and every conversation that God wanted to actually use me in that situation. But exactly One doctor's wife texted Julie and I on Monday afternoon and said that that morning their staff came in and they all said, T-G-I-M, thank God it's Monday. And they said they had an awesome week because of that attitude. So the, the, uh, the heart behind this series is to help us get godly perspective about our work week, that we're not gonna let Monday be a moan day. We're not gonna whine about our work. Even if everybody else around us is whining about their work. People whine about their work, don't they? They write songs about whining about their work. You remember back in the 70s, if you, if you remember this, finish it. You can take this job and I ain't working here no more. That's a good attitude, yeah. And in the, in the 80s it went to everybody's working for the Yeah, we love the weekends, especially Sundays. But you were made for Mondays. You've been made, created by a creator to create. We learned last week that the very first thing we see God doing in the Bible is working, producing, creating, making. And you have been made in his likeness, in his image, so that nature is inside of you. A key verse for our series is found in Romans Chapter 12, verse one, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Your version of the Bible might say, um, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which means you're alive, but you have offered everything to God. And that word bodies doesn't mean your body. It means the totality of everything you are your hopes, your dreams, your times, your thoughts, everything given to God. And I tell you, when we live that way, we're gonna live differently. Your ordinary parts of your life will become extraordinary. You'll live with a different perspective when you walk through your week, not just on Mondays, but on every day. See, here's what I know. God has placed you right where he wants you for right now. God has placed you right where he wants you for right now. It may not be where you wanna be, 
<laughs> it's probably not where you're gonna be in the long run, but for right now, it's exactly where he has got you. And one thing I know is that God will actually, wherever he appoints you, he will anoint you. The place where you are appointed, you are anointed in that place or space with those people at that job, in that neighborhood, in that family, at that classroom. There's an anointing on your life that God actually wants to do something with you through there. There is a reason for the season you are in. And I felt like I needed to tell somebody this weekend that you, you may not like the season you're in, you may not understand the season you're in, but I'm telling you there is a reason for the season that you're in. God has actually put you right there. And I know, I know it could be maybe a, a rough season that you're going through. I know that maybe things aren't working out maybe the way you thought they would in your job or your career. You thought by now things would be different. It feels a little forced or awkward. Or Can I just tell you, if you've been thinking those thoughts, you're in good company. There are many men and women in the Bible that probably had those same thoughts and asked God the same question. God, is this really all there is? God, I felt like I was made for so much more. God, I can't believe this is, I'm stuck in this job doing this thing. I mean, just think about David. David was anointed to be king over Israel by the prophet, and then he's sent back out in the fields to take care of sheep. He had to be thinking, hold up, hold up, hold up. Did y'all just miss my anointing ceremony? I mean, I'm supposed to be the king, and I'm back with these stinky sheep. And then when he finally gets to the palace, he comes in as the help, and he's playing music for the king, dodging spears from his predecessor. Oh, that's crazy, right? He had to be thinking, this isn't what I thought it would be. Think about Moses. Go bring my people out of, Israel, out of Egypt, bring them back to the promised land. Okay, 40 years later, still wandering around the desert, confused and frustrated with a bunch of angry Israelites dragging behind him. I mean, he had to be thinking, God, really? But probably the poster child for God, I didn't see it working out this way, is a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. Not Joseph of Mary and Joseph, who we'll talk about in a couple weeks, but Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham, the son of Jacob. And even if you haven't been to church much, you probably know the story of uh, Joseph the dreamer, the guy with the coat of many colors. I mean, he had dreams for his life. He had dreams for the big way that God was gonna use him. He had dreams about a big career path. But if you know the story, he had um, these brothers, 11 brothers, and 10 of those brothers hated him a lot. So much so that they were fed up with Joseph prancing around because his dad liked him more than you know, the other brothers. It was an issue, problem in their family. And so they took him, they beat him up, they threw him in this pit, and they were gonna kill him. So anytime you think you got problems in your family, just think about Joseph, all right? Make you feel a lot better. But instead of killing him, there was a slave caravan that was driving through on their way to uh, Egypt. And so the brothers sold him into slavery. So he's taken down into slavery in Egypt, put on an auction block and sold into the house of Potiphar, who is the chief captain of Pharaoh's army. So get the picture. Joseph, this favored child, loved by his father with all these dreams on the inside of him of what he was gonna do with his life. All of a sudden those dreams turn to nightmares as he finds himself in a country he didn't know anybody, didn't know the language, didn't know the customs or the culture, and he ends up at somebody's house named Potiphar. But I want you to see that right in the middle of this story, 
right in the middle of his nightmare that he wished he could get out of, it says in Genesis 39, verse two, and the Lord was with Joseph. His master saw that the Lord was with him. So when you read this story, that phrase, and the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord God was with him, finds itself being repeated over and over again. But you have to know that when Joseph was in that pit, he didn't see God down in that pit, it was dark. When he was thrown onto that slave caravan, sold by his own family, he didn't see God there. When he got to Potiphar's house, God wasn't opening the door going, welcome home, no, 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 no. But what that tells me is that even when you can't see him, He is right there with you. He's got you, he's holding you, he's gonna see you through whatever you you gotta go through. You will not be alone. You you may feel like you're alone in the situation you're in, or maybe in work or in your family or at school. You may feel all alone, but God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Proverbs 18 says that he is one that stays closer than a brother. So you may not know why you're in the place you're in, You you may not know why you've got to go through what you're going through, but can I tell you, you're not going through it alone. God is right there with you, walking with you. He's got you. And and the truth of the matter is, you, you may never know why you're going through what you're going through. There are situations in my life and in my family, our family and things that we've been praying about and wondering about that I still don't know why we've had to go through that struggle. I still don't know why we're in the middle of that mess. I don't know why. And and the reality is I may never know why. God doesn't promise why, he promises who? He doesn't promise you an explanation, he promises you his presence, right? So he promises his presence to you. I will be with you. And by the way, I'll take the presence of God any day over understanding why it had to be that way. I want his power, I want his anointing, I want him with me in whatever I gotta go through, amen? Now, I don't have time to go through the whole story of Joseph. It's a long, amazing uh, story. He he gets sold off to Potiphar's house, he comes in as the slave, and then it says eventually uh, Potiphar put him in charge of more and more of his household until he was in charge of all of Potiphar's household and all of his finances. And then Mrs. Potiphar saw how good looking Joe was, and she's like, hey baby, and he's like, cougar, get back. And so he wouldn't like have anything to do with her, she got mad, and she tells her husband he came on to me and tried to rape me and all that, and he gets thrown, Joseph gets thrown in prison. He did nothing wrong. He gets thrown in prison, but when he's in that prison, he gets in front of some of Pharaoh's servants that were also in that prison, and he interprets their dreams, which later puts him in front of Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream about the the famine that was coming, which ended up saving not only Egypt of famine, but all of Joseph's family who would travel down to get food, and all of the Israelite, God's people were spared because of it. But what I wanna jump to is to the very end of the story, At the end of the story, when um, the brothers realized that the person they're bowing before, this Egyptian leader, was actually their brother, they, they, they were fearful for their lives, as they should be, because they were the ones that threw him in the pit. They were the ones who mistreated him. And I want you to see what Joseph says a little bit later in, in uh, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, what you meant for evil against me, 
God meant it for good. Would you say that with me out loud? What you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good. You take what the enemy means for evil and you turn it for, it's what he does. Now that is quite a statement for Joseph to make in that moment, quite a, an insight. But can I tell you, I can guarantee you, he didn't have that insight when he was back in the pit. He wasn't in the pit going, you take what the enemy, no, he wasn't doing that. When he was sold into slavery and working in Potiphar's house and mistreated and lied about and thrown into prison, he wasn't thinking those thoughts right then. See, this is what the Bible does. It helps us understand the current situations that you and I find ourselves in when we study what God is actually at work behind the scenes, even when we can't see it. He'll take that situation that you're going through right now that seems evil and hard and harsh and he'll use it, he'll turn it for the good. But he didn't know that until 13 chapters later. He, he didn't know that back in Genesis 37. This was in Genesis 50, which happens to be 13 years later. See, it was 13 years from the time Joseph was put in the pit until he gets to the palace. Think about that. We're not talking about a couple of rough weeks at work, right? I mean, 13 years of being mistreated, 13 years of being forgotten, 13 years of being lied about, right? Asking the question, God, why am I here? What is going on? And some of you today are in a similar situation where you feel like, God, what is going on with my life, with my career, with my job, with my future? How can I make Mondays great when they stink so bad? So I've got one truth I want, I want you to grab hold of that I think Joe would want you to know. You see what I did there? Here it is, you ready? It's a principle that is found all throughout the word of God. You, you look at this principle and you'll find it repeated over and over and over throughout the word of God. Be faithful in your now. Whatever your now is, be faithful there. Wherever God has you now, whatever assignment you're in, Whatever season of life you're in, whatever you, wherever you are, be faithful in your, it may not be where you wanna be. It's probably not where you're gonna be. But this principle of being faithful with wherever God has put you. See, when Joseph showed up to Potiphar's house, he wasn't put in charge, y'all. He was probably given the worst job. He was the porta potty cleaner. That was his job. But he must have done it with such excellence that it increased his influence. Potiphar must have gone in there one day and gone, it smells good in this porta potty. It's never been this clean in this porta potty. Who cleaned this porta potty? Well, we need to give that guy a promotion. And pretty soon he got to start taking care of the yard or the dishes or something in the house. And then he did that so well that they said, well, let's give him a little bit more. Till eventually, not overnight, eventually he was faithful with his now, whatever the now was, and it increased his influence. You see that? See, I, I think. I think we can learn a valuable lesson from Joseph who was faithful with the small things. And it's this, that if you're faithful where you are, God will get you where you need to go. If you're faithful where you are, God will get you where you need to go. Because if you can't be faithful in the prison, you're not gonna be faithful in the palace. If you're not faithful in the prison, why would God even get you to the palace? I wish I could preach that for a minute. If you're, if you're not faithful in the job you got, why would God give you a job with more responsibility? 
and more people and more money. If you're not faithful with the money God's given you, why would God give you more money? Why would he do that? That would not be wise on God's part. So we gotta back up and we gotta go, well, God, I'm gonna be faithful right where I am. This is a principle all throughout the word of God. Jesus was the one who said, um, if, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with more. But if you're unfaithful or untrustworthy with a little, you'll be untrustworthy with more. So how about we just start whatever situation you find yourself in, may not be the marriage you wanna be in, but I'm gonna be faithful in this marriage. I'm gonna love my spouse, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna love my kids. It may not be the job I wanna go into Monday, but I'm gonna work hard at this job and I am gonna see God do more than I could ever think. Another thing I saw in the story was, um, it was actually in serving Pharaoh's dream is what actually fulfilled Joseph's dream. Okay, think about this for a minute. In serving Pharaoh's dream, the dream that he had about the seven cows that got eaten up by the seven skinny cows and this whole thing and working that dream out, it's actually what helped Joseph fulfill his dream that he had of leading and and influencing and being who God created him to be, but it only happened as he served another person's dream. I realize some of us are trying to do things on our own, build our own thing, do our own thing. When God has actually sovereignly placed you somewhere that if you will just be faithful there and work hard to fulfill the dream of whoever the people is God's put around you and maybe even over you, that in that you are gonna find the fulfillment of the dreams that God has put on the inside of you to be who God has created you to be. Be faithful in your now. And then I started to think that if, um, if the, brothers, the brothers would not have been bowing down um, to Joseph, he had not been thrown in that prison, right? And he would never gone to the prison if he hadn't been lied about. And he would never have been lied about if he hadn't been sold off into, into, into slavery, right? So there's, you kind of back this whole thing up, you realize this whole struggle that he's been in. Maybe, maybe your struggle isn't keeping you from your future, it's actually preparing you for it. Maybe the very thing you're thinking, oh, this is so difficult and I can't believe I'm here. Maybe it's actually God getting you exactly where you need to be so you're set up for the next thing he wants to do in you. And if you were never there, you could never get here. But so you gotta be faithful there so he can get you to your next here. Make sense? Are you all with me today? Okay, just making sure. And one more thing. Notice, notice that Joseph, uh, the work that Joseph was doing was not something that we would call spiritual or holy. He wasn't a priest, he was a slave. He, um, he, he wasn't feeding the poor or caring for the needy. He was a slave that worked his way up into middle management, basically, right? And, and the guy he was working for wasn't a, a godly boss, wasn't a Christian company, right? But Joseph really knew who, the, who he was working for. We mentioned last week the verse in Colossians 3, uh, 23 that says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. And remember last week we said, if you are a Christ follower, then the company you work for or work at, you don't really work for them. The supervisor you have, you don't really work for them. You work for God. Now, I don't say that to disrespect your employer, right? I'm not saying you should go up to him going, I don't work for you, I work for Jesus. Yeah, that's what my pastor said. <laughs> yeah, don't, please, please don't do that. The truth is, because you work for Jesus, you're gonna work better for them. Because you work for Jesus, you're gonna work harder for them. Because you work for Jesus, you're gonna be the best worker on the job, buddy. 
You're gonna be the, you're gonna give him your best. And as you do, can I tell you, your work will actually become worship to God. And the mundane will take on new purpose and mission. I want you to hear from a couple people in our church that are learning this idea that they've been created by their creator to create and that their, their Mondays are just as holy as their Sundays. Watch this. I'm Stacy. I'm Justin Casper. I'm Lou. And I'm Wendy. And I was making this. I am a, a domestic engineer, is what I like to call it, but I am a stay-at-home mom for the rest of the world. I am the owner and CEO of Casper Electric. So Casper Electric was started in 1978 by my dad, and they say I have a 50% chance of success on the second generation, so I'm hoping to continue to prove wrong, but we're coming up on 45 years in business. We started back in 1998, and our goal is to work with the community, not just fighters all the time, but work with regular people who come in, and this becomes a place where no matter what people are doing, they get Renewed. We operate on a, a servant leadership uh, model. We flip it completely upside down like Jesus did. He came not to be served, but to serve. And to serve people at that point is one of the greatest uh, opportunities I think we get. Before I got married, I used to work uh, in fashion. I was a fashion consultant for a couple luxury companies. When I got married, I do remember telling my husband that I have a dream that I know I want to be a housewife eventually because I saw the benefit of my mom over time, like just staying home with us. I felt the Holy Spirit push me towards make the sacrifice and trust me with your finances and all your worries. Trusting God has changed our life. Every financial need we've ever had has been met. I realized that work was holy and sacred. We are held to a different standard. We are not just doing business as per the law of today's states. We're doing the business as per God's law. And every part of our value system, which is excellence, growth, and others, is biblically backed. Primarily with others being, you know, Matthew 7, 12, do unto others as we would have them do to you. Um, excellence in that, you know, we want to work as if we're working for the Lord, not men. Subtly, and sometimes not so subtly, we are uh, using our faith uh, to be that light in a dark and sometimes dim world. Merging faith with my work became second nature. Merging our faith with what we do here is really simple because it's almost like the same rules apply in boxing that apply in the Bible. You know, you have to have dedication and you have to have above all faith that that everything you're doing here will pay off at the end. What I like to think as well is that we drop little seeds everywhere for people to renew their faith. They come here and they're, I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've looked around, you'll see that um, there's little seeds of God. We try to minister to people without ministering, just, just by giving confidence and, and by walking the walk as best we can because nobody's perfect. My goal isn't just to be a mom. My goal is to be a daughter of the king. So when I look at it in that perspective, I'm able to open-handedly take care of my kids. 
and let God do what He does and let the Holy Spirit move as He does and watch what the Lord does in their life open-handedly and trust that He's going to carry my kids all the way through to eternity because I can't be there forever. My work is not just work. It became my mission field. I believe anyone can incorporate faith in the work. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to be at the top of your organization. You're given a responsibility. It could be mop the floors, mop the floors with excellence. And people will, will, will see what you do and realize that it's different. And hopefully they come and ask you about it and, and why you do what you do. And then it's game on, because that's what you were made for. We're, we're not ministers. We're just regular people doing the best we can with what God instructs us to do. We start out our mornings with prayer and we pray specific. We pray specific over this place. We pray over our nation. I think that mindset with instilling faith and then as you go through the day, you see things unfold that didn't look like there was, it looked like it was gonna be a sad ending. All of a sudden things start changing. When Mondays come. I remind myself I was made for this. Yeah, no matter where you work or what you do, start your day off in prayer and ask God what he wants you to do for him and commit to looking for God moments till the end of the day and thank Him for those moments because there's gonna be more tomorrow. I was made for this. I'm made for this means, you know, we're living on purpose. A lot of people look for purpose, but the only person that can give you your purpose is the person that created you. Mondays in the gym business is where it's at. And this place will usually have 150, 200 people in the day that come through here. So I know that Mondays are usually a reset for people. We live in a hard world. So if you constantly remind through your prayer, through your talking with your, your, your support group, you remind each other that we are made for this. We say this all the time, don't yeah. we? <laughs>
so thankful for that every year God gives me a word. It could be a simple word, but this word was uh, kind of an image, and it was based off Isaiah 41.10, where it talks about God's victorious right hand. So, see, I believe God is for us. I believe he loves us. I yeah. believe yeah. he is truly wants the best for us. So I believe his hand is outstretched towards us. And so my responsibility is to be positioned in his hand, be positioned under his hand, because the best part about God's hand, it doesn't quiver, it doesn't shake, it doesn't worry, it's not worry what the interest rates are or where the stock market's at. So that's where I'm gonna put my hope and my faith in. Man, I love that. I love that imagery that God's hand, it doesn't shake, even though it, our world might be shaking, yeah. things might be causing anxiety, but you said we need to position ourselves under God's hand. Yes. What does that look like for you practically? How do you do that? So it's a daily thing, you know, the, the idea of like pick up your cross and daily follow Jesus. And so every day I have to make a decision. And I'll be honest, it's not easy. Definitely when uh, things don't go your way. But every day I have to say, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna believe that you're gonna order my steps and you're going to do all that you've called me to do. So it takes a lot of faith but it also takes a little bit of action. And that action is, just like Dave said, position yourself under his hand. I love it. And just last question, Josh. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, we were talking to you just earlier, like just about how you bring God into your, into your work, which your work is different now. It's not that yeah. you know, sales job you were doing before. There's Zoom meetings and all the things that go with what you do now. But, but how do you bring God into your everyday work week? No, great question. Um, by an act of just inviting. I invite God every morning. I say, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to direct me. I need you to order my steps because, again, what I'm doing now is new. You know, I really took a step of faith and, you know, Pastor Dave made a joke about it, but it is kind of funny how God works because it's probably the worst time to change a career when the state of the economy, I have a new baby on the way, I just built a new house, so it makes no sense. But what I love is that's when God shows up. And that's where he really starts moving when all your hope and everything is in him. So simply invite him, walk with him, and trust him that he's obviously leading you. Oh, come on, church. Help me thank Josh for sharing today. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I love that these people in our church understand what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter five when he said, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine at work, at school, in your neighborhood, let your light so shine that others will see your good works and they will glorify your Father. They'll turn and they'll begin to worship God who is in heaven. Some of you may be thinking, but Todd, I, you know, I'm the like only person that's a Christian at my job. I, I don't know any other Christians at my school. Is that a problem? You think that's by accident? Light is most effective in the darkness. You don't need a flashlight in the middle of the day, right? Some of you are praying for God to take you out of the dark place that you find yourself in alone as the only Christian, whatever, my family or neighborhood. And he's like, I put you there for a purpose. I put you there to, to shine bright because there are people right there that I wanna speak to, that I wanna work on, that I wanna talk to. This verse in um, 2 Corinthians 5, look at this, verse 19. God has given us a ministry, he's given each of us a ministry of reconciliation. That word just means bringing people back to God. So he's given each of us a ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God is making his appeal to the world 
through us. It's, it's like God is making his appeal to the, the neighbors that don't know Jesus that live right next to you. How are they supposed to know if you don't tell them? That, that coworker, how are, they, how, how are they ever gonna know about Jesus unless you open your mouth? It's as though God is wanting to make his appeal to the world that you live in every day through us. See, there are people that God wants to talk to, but they are not reading their Bibles. They're not praying. So God's gonna use you to talk to them. You're gonna carry something into Mondays that are, it's holy. Remember this verse from last week, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, would you say it with me out loud? We are God's coworkers in God's, now once you say it like you're excited about it, we are God's coworkers in God's service. Amen, there you go. See, when you understand that, that, that your calling is greater than what you do, but it's who you get to do it with, there's some mission on the Mondays. There's mission in the middle of the mundane. You are like these undercover secret agents going to work this week. You're like Peter Parker, right? Everybody just thought he was a student that took up photography, right? But he's really Spider-Man, flying from building to building, rescuing humanity. Or maybe, you know, Superman, right? You know, everybody just think he's a, a reporter or something, a little geeky, but man, he's like Superman with superpowers connected to the supernatural, that's you. Or maybe you're like Ethan Hunt. Dun, 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 dun. We all pretended we want to be that, right? Ordinary looking guy going to the grocery store to get ice and he's actually getting his next mission that's gonna expose an evil empire and rescue the world, that's you. Except for the you know, wild car chases and gunfights, not that part, but the rest of it is you. So it doesn't matter what your job is, you might be a teacher, you might be an office assistant, you might be a business owner, but your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to partner with God to be a co-worker with God, to push back darkness, to bring people out of hopelessness into the hope of Christ, everyone, every day, everywhere you go. And can I tell you when you do, God will use you more than you ever dreamed or imagined because that's exactly what he did with Joseph. Joseph had some big dreams on his life, but what God did blew those dreams out of the water. He became second in command of the most powerful nation on the planet at that time. And he ended up rescuing and saving millions of people, including his own family, including the Israelites. Even his ungodly boss, Pharaoh, was blessed because of, of this guy. Uh, he increased his wealth. He, everything got bigger and better because of, so when you live like this, even the company you work at, man, their stocks are gonna go up. It's gonna get more business. It's gonna be better. They're not gonna know why, but you know why? It's because you are partnering with God in everything that you're doing. And most importantly, the people in your lives, their lives are gonna be changed. Last verse of the day, Proverbs 10, 16. Look at this. The work of the righteous leads to life. The work of the righteous, that's you, the work that you do will actually produce life in people. So I'm gonna close with two challenges. The first challenge is this, um, be faithful in your now. Whatever your now is, wherever God has put you now in this season, there's a reason for this season, so be faithful in your now. Be faithful in the small things, do that well. If it's cleaning the porta potty, clean it well. And then the second thing is, take God back to work with you this week. 
Don't leave him at home on the couch eating Doritos. Take him to work with you. That's where he belongs. He belongs with you. You need his wisdom and his grace and his strength this week in everything that you do. I wanna pray two prayers as we close. The first prayer is that all of us would would understand how we've been called to live on mission and that we would understand that we are working not only for God, but we are working with God this week. And the second prayer I wanna pray for those of you today that, that need to know you're not just made for Mondays, you're made for God. And more importantly, you're made for a relationship with God. And if that relationship isn't right, Mondays aren't gonna be right. Tuesdays are gonna be terrible. But if you get that relationship with God right through Jesus, Man, he starts to bring everything into the right place in your life. And so that second prayer is gonna be for you. I love you so much. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray today? God, we thank you for your word that teaches us truth and brings us understanding and helps us correct our thinking when it's wrong, helps us correct our lives, helps us to step into the life that you've got for us. And I pray that all of us this week would walk into Mondays with a sense of mission and focus and purpose like never before, I pray, dear God. And then Lord, I... Um, so we continue to pray with every head bowed. If you're here today, uh, one of our locations or joining online and you would say, Todd, um, I, I don't know that I have that relationship with God that you're talking about. You might've gone to church, prayed prayers, but, but you've never really fully surrendered everything to Jesus. Can I tell you, that is the way that he steps in and he makes everything right on the inside. He takes away your sin. He takes away the hurt from the past. He replaces it with his joy and his peace and his purpose. And you begin to live life completely different. And if you don't have that relationship, or maybe if you're honest, that relationship with him is not where it should be today. Um, I'm gonna pray this second prayer. And if you would say, Todd, include me in the second prayer, right where you are, would you just raise your hand up? Yeah, that's it, hold up high. Wherever you are, hold up high. You are unashamed of everything you want from Jesus in your life and this relationship of hope. We're all gonna pray this prayer together, but those with your hands up, I want you to keep it up because you're signaling to God, God, I'm starting anew with you. This is a fresh start with you today. Let's pray this together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Make me a new person from the inside out. Fill me with your joy and peace. Fill my life with purpose that I may live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Let's thank God for those decisions today. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.